You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Suns, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Kellen Olson, your host of Locked On Suns. We're bringing you one episode a week of Locked On Suns, at least, during the offseason here. I know the NBA playoffs are in full swing, but we are in offseason mode for the Phoenix Suns. Actually, shouldn't be too difficult. I know we struggled to get through some points of the season here and find certain things to talk about here with the five days a week format, but once a week shouldn't be that tough for the offseason. We're going to be talking NBA playoffs next week. That's when we will have Eddie back. He has been traveling throughout the week. Today we are going to be going through our second series of off-season polls, or should I say polls. Uh, if you want to participate with the show, you can follow us on Twitter. That is at LockedOnPHXSuns. We've done some Reddit mailbags. We've done a lot of Twitter Q&A so far throughout the regular season. And if you want to participate, the best way to do that, and really the only way to do that, honestly, is to follow the podcast at LockedOnPHXSuns on Twitter. There, we will pretty much coordinate with you guys what we're doing. So whether it's polls, you'll find them there. Whether it's another Reddit mailbag, we will link you out to that. Or whether it's a Q&A for you to tweet us your questions, we will be doing that. We will also be doing before the draft um, about a couple of months ago, maybe a month or two ago, we had a top five Locked On Suns NBA draft board. And basically that was you guys voting on number one, number two, number three, number four, and number five. We did that in... March, I want to say, or maybe February, and we are going to do that again draft week or the week before the draft sometime around there and discuss those results again. So we have a little bit to run through here on today's show, and that is the offseason poll. So a couple of subjects to run through here, certain players being traded, re-signed, who the Sun should target in the draft, and so on. A lot of you participated. We had a lot of participation. In fact, I want to thank you guys for voting on those polls and always being able to respond and things like that. Once again, at Sons. I cannot emphasize this enough during the offseason because, once again, five days a week, you know we're going to be in your uh, podcast app on iTunes, whatever it is that you use for us, just the audio boom site, brightsideofthesun.com, whatever you use. You you knew by the end of a Monday, by the end of a Tuesday, by the end of a Wednesday, we were going to be there, but now you won't know. So hopefully uh, you are subscribed to us on iTunes, which you can do by going through our at Locked On PHX Suns Twitter page and subscribing there, or you can just check brightsideofthesun.com or our Twitter page, like I've been saying, for the past two minutes. Okay, that's enough of me trying to make sure that you are following us on Twitter, right? Okay, it's just been a while. I just want to get all the all the reps in there. Okay, so let's start with these off-season results here on the polls. Uh, the first question we wanted to go over today, or we, I did, uh, because it's just me today, uh, would you rather sign Alex Len to a deal for over $10 million per year or let him walk? 76% of you said let him walk and 24% said sign him. I am in the let him walk uh, category here, but with a caveat that if the Suns can sign him to a deal that's, say, for like two years and you pay and you get him for like two years, $28 million or whatever. That's fine with me because the thing you want to avoid here is a long-term commitment with Len because by the time he is 25, I would say 26, you, you're going to know for sure what he is and you're going to know what you have there uh, with him. There is still a little bit of potential left with him. He is only 23 and he is a former top five pick and sometimes it does take guys a little longer. Uh, Ryan McDonough mentioned it on the day of exit interviews that it does take bigs a little longer to develop sometimes and to show what they're made of, and that is what they're going to be holding out for with Alex Len for sure. Uh, but the one thing they're not going to be holding out for is um, 
his play because he was terrible this year. He was very bad. Uh, I did not really talk about Len too much on this podcast and other podcasts. I didn't really write about him too much because I was afraid of what I was going to say because I'm a, I've been a big believer in Len. I thought his second year in the year, he, second year in the year, second year in the league, he looked great. And I thought that was the guy who could become not only a starting center long term, but I thought he was going to be a guy for them not this season, but last season was going to dominate second units and really be the best player on the floor against second units. And boy, was I wrong. He had a rough third year, and this fourth year was even worse, despite what some of the numbers uh, will tell you as far as like field goal percentage and averages and things like that. Uh, his minutes from the time Chandler was still in the rotation to when he went in only went up two minutes per game, which was sort of strange because you expect when Chandler gets shut down, they want a long-term look at Tyson Chandler, was, or uh, Alex Lenz, sorry, but it was more about getting a look at Allen Williams, actually. And the thing about that was I wrote a thing in early February on ArizonaSports.com basically saying they need to play him more. And I thought that it was not, I don't want to say fair, but I thought a lot of his poor numbers were at the result of playing with Brandon Knight, who was having a terrible season and really just had a terrible season. But Alex Len plays after the All-Star break without Brandon Knight because he was shut down as well and the numbers pretty much stayed the same they did not get any better he played the same amount of time Uh, his net rating of minus 10.9 after the all-star break was the second worst on the team behind Marquise Chris his offensive rating was one of 101.2 now if you're not familiar with offensive and defensive ratings 101.2 for an offensive rating is horrible that is not good at all it was the lowest on the team and his defensive rating was the third worst Uh, when McDonald was asked about what he saw about from Alex Len uh, during those exit interviews, he said flashes, flashes of talent. Now, that's not what you want to hear when you're on a contract year for a 23-year-old former top five pick. You can't be just seeing flashes at this point. Uh, of the 38 centers who played at least 20 minutes a game since the trade deadline, Len ranked bottom five in both offensive and defensive rating. His effective field goal percentage was the sixth worst. His assist-to-turnover ratio was the second worst. Now, his defensive field goal percentage at the rim was 14th, and in rebounding, he was 19th in rebounding percentage. So those typical big man skills of protecting the rim and rebounding, he was okay at. He was fine. He was average amongst that group. Uh, but in post-touches per game, uh, in back-to-basket terms, and really those post-touches we saw throughout the season, he was one of the worst players in that group. He was the third worst in field goal percentage on post-touches. He only shot 50%. And then Allen Williams, who was five inches shorter than him, shot 58.2%. I can't remember if I mentioned this, but this is from my column on ArizonaSports.com talking about Len's uh, contract situation. And the thing about him is that he was supposed to have these hybrid kind of elements of his game. And what has happened is that hasn't happened, in fact. Uh, From 10 to 14 feet this year, and by hybrid I kind of meant like he was supposed to be the guy who could catch it at the high post and could either hit the jumper take a dribble or two to attack the closeout and either shoot or make the right pass. He was really supposed to have that fluidity to his game, but the jumper hasn't even been a thing. Like They are leaving him open for a reason. From 10 to 14 feet this year, he shot 28.6%, and then from 15 to 19 feet, that is really the true mid-range area we talk about when you see the help defender on him, a.k.a. the center protecting the rim, come off him and leave him open there. That is the signature shot that a lot of centers have to hit. Robin Lopez has been money-hitting this shot for the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs and on the year. He shot 43.8% on it. Uh, Alex Len only shot 31% this year on that shot. So all around, he had 
a horrible year statistically, and the eye test really didn't do any anything for me either. We've heard Eddie's opinion on Len. He is out on him. I'm out on him as well, but if the Suns are able to bring him back on a year or a two-year deal, there really as isn't any reason not to because as far as salary space goes, they don't really need it. Now, we don't know what their plan is necessarily, so if they do plan on making a run with Bledsoe and Co. right now, maybe they do need that space to go add some guys to help win now. But as far as a super long-term thing, uh, paying him a lot of money for one year or two years wouldn't really hurt them too much and would allow them to really get that extra look at him if they want it. Uh, now, Alan Williams playing better, I think, has really helped the, make the case for just letting Len go and playing uh, Williams as the backup center for now. Williams at six foot eight isn't really the long-term answer at center. He's not a guy that you could start, I think. You couldn't play him 25 to 30 minutes a game in a starting role. I don't think you could do that. And, of course, Tyson Chandler is 34 years old. So he's not the long-term answer there either, but I don't think Alex Len is at the same time. So I would let him go. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Let's move on to some of the other questions, and the reason I took that question first is because these other four are things that we have talked about on the podcast plenty before, and you guys have heard my opinion and Eddie's opinion on these throughout the regular season. So nothing really hasn't changed too much, but let's go through your results. So should the Suns trade Eric Blesso this summer? 58% of you said yes. 42% said no. I believe that was the most split question out of all of our results so far this season. Yeah, without a doubt, that was the most split everyone was on. And I can see why. We've talked about this a ton on the show. There's no reason to at least right now, until they until they pick, there's no reason to trade your best overall player. And even if you draft a Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball, maybe they'll be better than Bledsoe in the future, but right of this right at this moment, they're certainly not better basketball players. And there is no flaw in the logic of just saying, screw it, we're just gonna keep our best overall basketball player. We're not gonna we don't want to get dramatically worse again. And that's fine. I don't see any problems with that. But again, this is something where we're going to have to keep an eye on this. It's going to be draft day. It's going to be free agency. It's going to be uh, lottery night. It's going to come down a lot to lottery night. If the Suns pick outside the top three, I think the likelihood of them holding on to Bledsoe is much higher. But if they do pick in the top three, I think the likelihood of them shipping him out is higher. I believe if they take a Fultz or a ball that they should move Bledsoe. And I think that that is the logic behind it. At the same time, Moving Bledsoe isn't so easy. Teams are going to know you want to move him, and getting the right value for him is going to be a challenge, and that's something we're going to be talking about more on lottery night and on draft night and so on. Uh, should the Suns trade Brandon Knight this summer? If you were looking for a poll answer that did better than Booker 70 being the best part of the season, this is the one. 95% of you said the team should trade Brandon Knight. 5% of you said no. I just believe that with him not playing the rest of the season, uh, being one of the guys that was shut down, it makes sense for Bledsoe. It makes sense for Chandler. 
with Knight, it does make sense because of how poorly he played, but at the same time, you'd want to use those games to help him get back in a rhythm. And also, if he's playing so terribly, well, part of shutting these guys down is to help you lose games. So if he plays terribly, it wouldn't be the worst thing either. And it's not like his trade value is going to go much lower with the way he played this season and his contract status and everything. I think should this should the team trade him or and will they trade him are two different questions here. Should they? They absolutely should. Will they? I don't know because you have to give up a lot to get rid of him in my opinion. I think it's going to have to be a legitimate asset whether it's a slightly protected first round pick, heavily protected first round pick, a couple second round picks. I'm not sure what it is to get rid of him, but it's going to be something, I think. I will be very surprised. Now, McDonough has surprised us a lot in the past. Remember, he got a lottery pick from Markeith Morris, and we were not expecting that at all. And that was not a lottery pick at the time, of course, but it was a pick that could easily wind up being one, and it turned out to be one. But with Knight, I just can't see him pulling that out. And maybe they keep him. Maybe they do have a... It, I mean, it comes down to stuff we don't know about, which is how they feel behind closed doors. Does he feel comfortable coming back again and trying to be the sixth man again? If they draft Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball and want to keep Eric Bledsoe, then Knight has to be gone. There's no way that he can stay on the team. There's nowhere for him to play. And I can't imagine the team just wants him to rack up DMPs with his contract and everything. I just can't see that as logical. I'm really fascinated by it. It can go so many different ways as we just discussed. So we'll see how it turns out, man. It's going to be something... It's crazy that we will be, in a, in a couple of months, we could know the answer to these questions that we've talked about. We will know the answer to the Alex Len question. We should know the answer to both of these questions. Uh, the one question we won't know because it's just opinion is, after one season, which first-round pick would you rather have? 19% of you only voted for Dragon Bender. Just a real blow to my case of Bender better than Chris campaign against Eddie right now. 81% of you. Voting for Marquise Chris. That is brutal. You're hurting me out here, people. Really. Ouch. Uh, This does not surprise me. I think there's a lot of factors that go into just a poll like this that we can break down, such as just Chris playing more, Chris having the more highlight-worthy plays, Chris being the more offensive-centric player, just the type of guy who can score 20 points uh, some nights. Bender is never really going to be that type of guy in his first year or two in the league. It's just a feeling out process for him. That elite role player potential we talk about with him, guys like Josh Jackson and Jonathan Isaac in the draft, it more applies to Bender in that you're looking for decent offensive contributions from him, but maybe just a third option. Hopefully he can be like a reliable third option at times, but you're not looking for him to be the primary option or the secondary option. And that's something you're looking for from Marquise Chris long-term, and I believe that he has shown a lot of growth this year as well. I think if we would have seen the same Marquise Chris from October all the way to now, this poll would have been really different. But Chris has improved a ton. I think there are two things that really stand out to me about him is that he's picking up the game really well. His IQ and his floor sense was awful at Washington. It was really poor, and it has gotten so much better now that that opens up so many parts of his game, his passing, because he's making the right reads. His defensive rotations off the ball and on the ball have been much better. And then, of course, his weak side shot blocking, which has become something where 
yes, he's a guy that could make a highlight block, but as far as him becoming like a legitimate rim protector in some aspects, I just wasn't buying that at all in the draft process. But now, after this year, I'm willing to say that his weak side shot blocking is a legitimate skill of his that you can add to his arsenal. Whether or not that becomes a serious part of their defense, I'm not sure. But there are going to be games where he just racks up four to five blocks, and we've seen that this year already. But I'm still team Bender for now, just by a little bit. We wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com on an Empire of the Suns roundtable. I said it's much, much closer than I thought it would be at the end of the season, much closer than I ever would have had it on draft night for sure, but I'm still team Bender for now. We'll see how he does in his second year of playing time, but here's the thing, guys. If Bender plays next year, he's still going to play a lot of small forward, and he was asked on exit interviews by your boy, Kellen. That was me. I asked him what position he was the most comfortable at because he has played a lot of three, not a lot of four, not a lot of five, and he still said he's the most comfortable playing the four. That's what he was playing overseas at his club, and he's playing... The three and those two positions, I mean, you're going from playing from being a big man to being a wing. It's a very different position. Now, defensively, it's probably not that much of a difference for him, and he's still fine. But at the four, you get him closer to the rim. And then at the four, you get more out of him offensively because the guys he's taking off the dribble at the four, he's taking no one off the dribble at the three. Like, that's you're just making him. I believe it was Amino Hassan who tweeted back in like October or November, was asked about Bender, and he said he's just a normal player at the three, but at the four, he becomes something special. And that's what I would like to see. But with Jared Dudley, Marquise Chris, the power forward position, and then with uh, center being probably at least two guys, it's probably going to be Chandler and then one of Leonard Williams. It could be both Leonard Williams coming back. Then Bender is going to have to keep playing the three. I mean, Derek Jones Jr. and TJ Warren at the three as well. There's no reason Derek Jones Jr. should be playing over Bender. Bender's the better player overall in the first place, but he's probably going to play a majority of his minutes at the three again, so I'm probably going to be on this camp for a while in thinking that until we see him play long-term minutes at the four, I'm not ready to really make any hardcore conclusions about the type of prospect that he is going to be, unlike someone on this podcast. <laughs> oh, that episode was fun, huh? Me and Eddie going, going at it back and forth on Bender and Chris. Not going to have that today, though, of course. Uh, but our last question here, Lonzo Ball or Markel Fultz? 81% of you voted Markel Fultz. I am so proud of all of you. 19% voted for Lonzo Ball. I think Markel Fultz is without a doubt the number one guy on this podcast. Or on this podcast. Oh my gosh, is it the end of the week or is it the end of the week? In this draft, Markel Fultz is the number one guy, in my opinion, without a doubt. I don't think it's close. I just can't see it. Uh, Lonzo Ball has a lot of flaws in his game. While he is a very special player, he does have that quote-unquote special sauce that could have him be a franchise player. But at the end of the day, I think it's Markel Fultz. And anyone who doesn't say so, just, I don't know how to say it without sounding rude, but just I don't think they know what they're talking about if they don't have Markel Fultz at number one. This guy just gets overlooked so much as a playmaker and an overall point guard prospect that he kind of gets typecasted as this scoring point guard where I think his point guard skills this is a guy who could average eight or nine assists quickly in the league in my opinion could be a guy averaging double digit assists down the line I think it kind of reminds me of John Wall is that John Wall was this blur and this guy in transition and a really good passer and stuff but I don't think people saw him as this sort of playmaking maestro where he could be putting up 15 16 assists in the game just like that I think that could be Fultz down the line I really do think there's a lot of elements of his game that I enjoy. I think there's a little bit of Dwayne Wade in there. I think there's a little bit of John Wall in there. And there's a little bit of Kyrie in there, too. I really like 
all the elements mixed into his game and think it would be awesome if the Suns were to get him at number one or number two if some team is really considering taking Lonzo Ball at number one, which apparently is the Suns from what we've heard from Chad Ford in the past month or so, which we talked about on another podcast. If you've not seen that, I believe the podcast is entitled something like Ball Over Fulce. I think that's just what it's called. So if you want to hear about that and hear me be really worried about that possibly happening, go listen to that podcast. But for now, we're going to be signing off until next week. We will be talking about the NBA playoffs next week. A lot of fun stuff happening. The Bulls took a 2-0 lead over the Celtics, but of course, Rajon Rondo, significant thumb injury, so he is going to be out indefinitely. Won't be back for the rest of the series, you would assume. So can the Celtics make a comeback? We've got Milwaukee ending my hopes and dreams. I somehow had the confidence to pick the Raptors to make the NBA Finals, not even the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, the NBA Finals. It is the last time I'll ever do that, I think, because... Man, they are about to get beat by the Bucks. it looks like, and go out in the first round. Not looking good for your boy, Kellen. All right, everyone. We will be back next week with more Locked On Suns.